Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. All right. Welcome in, everybody. It is On the Clock. Ben Kenny here with you. Very happy Friday. Appreciate everybody listening. However you do, we are back. It is the off season. Thrilled to continue to do this after the season ended. The, the hurt of it, I would say, is still there. But as the days go by, and frankly, if you're listening to this, I assume there's some other Philadelphia fandom involved as we go by, as the Sixers look likable, as the Eagles win, it's helping everything out. Um, I will say though, I have not yet watched Philly's 2023 postseason highlights. I've even, there's been some 2022 ones I've gone back to see, but I'm not yet at the point where I am positive about the semi run, not at the point where I would tell my kids, You know, yeah, 2023 was a great year. Not there yet. Don't know when I'm going to get there, but not there yet. It is the offseason, and this is obviously on the clock. Phillies 24-7, if you're listening on stream, um, and Sports Radio WIP, production of them as well. So the offseason is starting to take shape. A lot has happened in the last 48 hours. And that's how we're going to mostly spend the show today. I thought the best way to go about it was there were a bunch of pieces of news. I think they all signal the plan for Dave Dombrowski. We'll outline that. We'll react to it. Then there are some overhanging themes that have maybe been injected in by my colleagues at WIP, by anybody that's watched baseball. A lot of different ways. A lot of different ways people are talking about the Phillies improving. I'll put it that way. And then, obviously, I mean, we we talk about Major League Baseball. We have to talk about the biggest backstabbing move in managerial history. We'll get to all that, but I want to start. The Phillies offseason is starting to take shape, and of the pieces of news we got, we got updates on Bryce Harper. We got some rumors on Nick Castellanos. I'll talk about those together. And then the pitching plan, there's news on Aaron Nola. And there's some reported interest in other top starters. I'll bunch those in together. There's the hitting plan and there's the pitching plan. How is this team going to bolster itself to, I mean, get back to the World Series and to make sure 2023 does not happen again down the road? So uh, first on offense, notably, Scott Kingery's $13 million option was declined. To nobody's surprise. 
No, that is not a very notable piece. But I think it was the first. And when I looked at an offseason preview, it's like uh, club option, Scott Kingery. Oh, my God, he's still he's still in the organization. But no, so, so that happened. Scott Kingery, that era is over. But the big news, Dave Dabrowski spoke at the GM meetings. Bryce Harper is going to become the long-term first baseman for the Phillies. They spoke, uh, they had a long talk, and the framing of it was interesting. I have Todd Zalecki's tweet up ahead of me, and he quotes Dombrowski. Quote, we decided we are going to play him at first base. He's happy to do whatever we wanted him to do. He said he'd play first or the outfield. He feels great, but the more we talked about it internally, we liked the idea of him playing first. Now, in an offseason like this, and just generally speaking, not everything reported, obviously, is news. There's a lot of stuff that gets out for a reason or is framed a certain way for a reason. I think Dave Dombrowski did a good job in the framing of this, first of all, because he separated the decision from Harper. He didn't just say, yeah, you know, Bryce Harper, and I don't know exactly what happened, but there is a chance out there that Harper came up to him and said, you know, or, or they called, you know, I want to play first base. And had that been the case, and Dabrowski presented it that way, that would mean that Reese Hoskins' time as a Philly is done because of a decision by Harper, which I don't think anybody there wants. So the framing of it, I think, is positive. We'll start there. Obviously, the first trickle-down effect is, yes, the Reese Hoskins era is likely over. And this could be a later off-season podcast, but, I mean, you're talking about, along with Harper, the face of an era of Phillies baseball, and it sucked he didn't play this year. But as somebody who, like I was at one of his first games when he got called up in 2017, the uh, his career being on, I mean, dumpster fire, losing teams for years, never complaining, really being one of the clubhouse rocks there, it's a big loss. I know people are infuriated with him because of the defense, and especially the defense in the playoffs in 2022. And sometimes, you know, his streakiness at the plate. I, I don't know. I think the Phillies are going to miss Reese Hoskins. And I'll elaborate on that more with the Castellanos thing. But it is a move that does make sense baseball-wise. If I were just running a fantasy baseball team or in a video game that had no personalities and I didn't have to care about clubhouse dynamics, yeah, this move makes a ton of sense. Bryce Harper is a much better first baseman. It allows Kyle Schwarber to stay in DH. Castellanos might stay in right. It allows for an opportunity to upgrade in left. It's going to keep Bryce Harper healthy. Not a lot of throwing. Um, and and I think Harper likes it in the infield. I think he likes it with Turner and, and Stott and Bohm. So expected news, I would say, after the second half of last year. But it is official per Dombrowski that Harper is the first baseman. So that's big piece number one. That makes that clear. Um, the next piece, which is a rumor from, uh, and our Joe Giglio had this, from MOB.com, I believe it was Mark Feinstein. But he reported that the Phillies have interest in trading Nick Castellanos. Now that's the big domino in this offseason. The Harper thing we knew, but it was a piece that had to eventually drop. Um, Mark Feinstein writes, according to a source, the Phillies are open to the idea of trading Nick Castellanos, whose streaky ways and disappointing performance in the NLCS could result in an offseason change. I think this is where the Phillies offseason is going to be defined by what they do with Castellanos. 
if they keep him and maybe go after Nola or another pitcher that we'll talk about and maybe try to upgrade in left field, keeping Castellano signals, we are going to run this back, even maybe without Hoskins, and trust that the Magic, like this was a championship team that just didn't win. This team was good enough to win. It just didn't do it. It's not as if there aren't multiple championship-type teams in a year. Like, they did not win. But it is a team that was good enough, so that would be signal trust. The other side of it is, if they trade him, they're looking at the 2023 playoffs and saying, that that cannot happen again. We have to do whatever we can to make sure that does not happen. Which means, getting a guy like Castellanos, who's a free swinger, very streaky, out of the lineup. And, I mean, speaking for myself, if I were to look emotionally at the end of the season, it's like, yeah, trade Nick Castellanos. I know he was good before Harper got back. I knew he hit a bunch of homers against the Braves. But him disappearing in the end there against the Diamondbacks, I argue was, I mean, he might have been the biggest culprit as to why they lost. And I, I can't deal with a guy that streaky in that important of a spot. And then for it all to come crumbling down just because this guy strikes out every single time he's up to bat. So I, I like the idea of trading Castellanos. It's going to give an opportunity to upgrade. There's a big name um, that many are throwing out there that we'll touch on a little bit later. But I just, like, big thought-wise in terms of how they're approaching the offseason, uh, Castellanos, three years left on his deal, $20 million per year. He signed a five-year, $100 million deal. Where, like, yeah, his, his great moments are great. I don't think he's a reliable player. I don't think I can rely on him. So if they are to trade him, which I want them to, that would signal the offseason approach, as I said, being how do we improve the team while ensuring 2023 does not happen again? It's just it's getting more reliable bats in the lineup. It's getting bats that you don't, like when they go up with, what, first and third, one out, big spot, got to get the runner home from third, you know they're going to get that job done. And they're not going to go over 25 with 23 strikeouts in the last five games of the season. So I'm all in on that. Now, the interesting part of this is, why, why did this get out? Why is Mark Feinstein reporting it? Who is giving it to him? Right? Because Dombrowski normally doesn't really let these things loose. He's normally very tight-lipped when it comes to being a general manager. So I don't, I, I'm trying to wrap my head around why this would be out. I mean, one easy explanation is it's coming from the Phillies and they want to drive the price up. They want to generate interest. Um, or it could be a Castellanos camp thing. I'm not totally sure. But I do think this being out benefits the Phillies because you're talking about other teams seeing him available and seeing opportunities to improve. Or, I mean, if you're trying to go trade a, a big contract for a big contract, kind of like you see... Well, you see it in baseball a good amount. You see it in basketball where there are rules. You get Castellanos in the deal, that evens out the money. And it does give the other team, you know, a guy that's going to hit 30 homers a year. But then the Phillies could throw in like a prospect. It kind of makes those deals make a lot more sense monetarily. So I think a Castellanos trade makes sense. I am in for it. I'm in for a Castellanos trade. Now, that does not mean we are completely shaking it up and remaking the team. It's just diagnosing the main issue from the playoffs and why the team lost and then seeing how do we fix it. And if an opportunity presents to get 
out from under a contract that, I mean, doesn't look great. It's not terrible. But to get out from under that and to try to move forward with better pieces in those spots, 100%, I'm in. Um, and as I said, it's like the, the, big, the big thing here, my big take at least, is that I, I like the shakeup, quote-unquote, even though it's not that drastic of a shakeup, because the reason for keeping him is because the clubhouse vibe, like the vibe of the team is enough that you think it'll continue. Because seeing him go, the thing that people will be unhappy about is, oh, you just let this, you know, big clubhouse vibes guy go. Like, to me, it's those vibes lost. Everything everything that we associate with the team in 2023, unfortunately, is associated with losing the final two games to the Diamondbacks. Now, the 2022 team, I don't think that because they got to the World Series and lost to a better team. But in this case, it's like they, they it was amazing until it wasn't. And now I like we can think about the good moments, but still you come back to the fact that they lost. They lost to a bad Diamondback or a below average Diamondbacks team. So that's why I I'm in favor of the shakeup of trading Castellanos. Um, I frankly, and I mean this might be a little outlandish. I, I know everybody hates Reese Hoskins at first, but I do think Hoskins' presence in the clubhouse, not in terms of just like on field and all that stuff, his leadership and what he means to the team. If you hear anybody talk about him, really since he has taken a leadership role, he was one of the reasons Harper came here. He is one of the more important pieces of the organization. I would rather have Reese Hoskins play first base and put Harper in right, then move Harper to first and keep Castellanos. That's how much impact I think Hoskins would have, but that's how I feel about what the Castellanos role should be. I I just don't need to see it anymore. I, I'm good, and it doesn't mean I hate him as a player. I just don't think it fits. You have enough free-swinging guys at the top. You need more Bryson Stott reliable bats towards the bottom. So, I mean, my ideal... Like, if there is a scenario where you could keep Reese at first, have Harper in right, Castellanos plays left, or you trade him for an upgrade, I mean, bringing back Reese Hoskins to play first is not going to happen. That's a fever dream, and that's, frankly, kind of a video game-type move. It's also the dynamics are different, clearly, because Castellanos is under contract. Hoskins is not. You would be re-signing Reese. I, I think if the contract and the trade, everything was all equal and you just controlled for all of the very complicated stuff, I, I would rather keep Hoskins as a player and as a clubhouse persona over Castellanos. But listen, the reality is they're not going to. So Hoskins is almost definitely gone. I hope he gets a multi-year contract somewhere and and plays really well. And I mean, it would be great if they could move Castellanos because I mean, as I've said, it opens up spots for improvement and it does take away some of the, I don't want to say it this way, but it takes away some of the stink of the loss. Where if we just get the same team into spring training next year, like I as a fan, I'm all in, but there is a, there's a dynamic there of there. There are probably many out there that still look at them and say, okay, how did you get remarkably better? It's just the same team that, that choked at the end. I don't like the biggest shakeup in the world, but I like the idea of fine tuning. I think Castellanos trading him would do that move. So 
I, I do think the approach of the team will be seen through whether they trade him, whether I think they should or not. The approach of the team will be clear uh, with whether they trade Nick Castellanos. So there's that side of it. That's the hitting side. Um, there is a potential, again, trade that they could make for a big-name player that may or may not be from South Jersey. I wanted to get to that a little later. I wanted to start with the in-house moves and what Dombrowski will do and what that could tell us, and then we'll see what trades actually could be out there. But in terms of the pitching side, the news is they, oh, they did not extend a qualifying offer to Hoskins, which was not a surprise at all. They did extend one to Aaron Nola. Now, it's going to be denied. He's going to get a multi-year, a lot of money deal. But no surprise that they extended it. Um, his uh, Nola's contract projection, and this is where things get interesting. Six years, $150 million. Uh, meanwhile, and, and Hoskins, two years, 36. So that's a that's what you'd kind of expect. Again, I would be okay with bringing Hoskins back and finding some type of role. But Aaron Nola, that is the sticking point here. Six years, 150 mil. I think the Phillies have to re-sign Aaron Nola. You've heard me say it. I will stand by it. The other options out there, and the Phillies have been linked to two of them right now. One of them is Blake Snell. Absolutely no. No way. No way am I signing Blake Snell this offseason. There is not a scenario where I approach next year and this offseason going into the year thinking, you know, my team is Blake Snell away from winning the World Series. It's ridiculous. Snell and Nola are the same age. Snell's projection, seven years, $200 million. So that's likely more years, more money for Snell than it would be for Nola. And, I mean, Blake Snell, not only do I just, like, he irritates me kind of personally. I don't like watching him pitch. He strikes a lot of guys out, don't get me wrong. And he just had an insane year, a career year. He's probably going to win Cy Young um, as I, I, I'm going to pull it up because he was ridiculous this season. He was 14 and nine with a two, two, five, 180 innings. I mean, 99 walks led the league, but 234 strikeouts. Like he was mowing guys down. The biggest issue with him. And if you're going to go seven years, $200 million is, um, as I said, you're getting a guy that, I mean, personally, I don't think is as durable and as reliable as Aaron Nola. The, the numbers are very simple. Blake Snell, again, who's 30. This is an average of the last four full seasons, which is since 2019, take away the COVID year. Snell has pitched an average of 135.9 innings every year. Uh, 3.38 ERA, a whip of 1.24, and 11.9 strikeouts per nine. The latter three are solid numbers. The issue is 135 innings a year. He's a guy that, I mean, not only has missed time, but also when he is out there, he faces so many fewer batters and doesn't go nearly as deep in games as Aaron Nola does. Aaron Nola, meanwhile, last four years, since 19, take away 2020, 195 innings a year, a 4.03 ERA. But that's also considering 2020 he was great, Nola was, and 2018 was his career year. So the arbitrary cutoffs I put on this to make it recent actually eliminated Aaron Nola's best work. Blake Snell just had his career year. 
And if he can replicate that, awesome. But he's not a guy that you can rely upon in April, May, and June to give you six and seven innings every time out. Listen to this. Uh, Corey Seidman had this from NBC Sports. Batters faced third time through a lineup last six regular seasons. So that's, I don't want to do that. I'm not great at math. That's one, two, three, four. That's going back to 2018. So it includes 18. Um, Sonny Gray, who the Phillies are also in talks or uh, connected to, and I will talk about him in a second, 657. Blake Snell, 598. Aaron Nola, 1,122. That's night and day. The only drawback of Aaron Nola, aside from, you know, occasionally he'll have a bad start, is that you could look at his last starts in the postseason and say he wasn't as dominant then as he was in the other ones. I look at the entire body of work. I see Nola pitching his best ball late in, game, uh, late in seasons. And I also see a guy that you, re- you rely upon him for 180 to 200 innings every season, which means if you put Blake Snell in there and he throws 130 innings, which he has done, I mean, the majority, he had 128 in 2022, 128.2 in 21, 107 in 2019. This is a guy that just doesn't throw nearly as many innings as Nola. The difference in innings between those guys is going to be taken by the bullpen. Someone's got to pitch those innings. So would I rather have Aaron Nola giving me the numbers and the innings he's been giving me or Blake Snell plus whatever the Phillies have in the bullpen? Like it's Nola every single time. And I don't care how dominant in a tiny sample Snell is. Like he's, he's had some postseason success and he's a really good pitcher. But the, the stark difference in availability and how deep they go in games, I think, I mean, you, you saw what Nola's, you saw what his innings count did for the team last season. The Phillies had the lowest inning count, bullpen-wise, of anybody in baseball. So you're signing Snell, you're pretty much banking on the fact you're signing him to win games in April, May, and June, and July. Because he'll be more dominant, like he'll have a lower ERA. He might not give up as many runs. And it's not going to be that big of a difference. Trust me. I really think what Aaron Nola figured out come playoff time is going to be transferable into the future. Nola, meanwhile, I mean, he is a guy that is setting your team up. Not only just him. He's setting the team up to win in October. And then he's also proven that he as a pitcher can peak in October. He's the perfect number two behind Wheeler. So I think the Phillies signing Snell would be a disaster. I, absolutely not. That could be a move that I, I I could see that backfiring. Backfiring big time. Being a reason why this team doesn't make it. Because of the strain it would put on the bullpen. So that's Snell. And yeah, seven years to... I, I cannot take Blake Snell pitching in this city for seven years. There's no way. He's the... He's the big video game guy, which I don't want to rip him for it, but he's he's made headlines in those streams. He's just he's a frustrating, he's a frustrating person. I don't want Blake Snell. No chance. The other guys I mentioned is Sonny Gray. Now Gray's projection, four years, ninety million. He's coming off a great season in Minneapolis with the twins. He's thirty four. So Sonny Gray, I think, would be a very intriguing option to be a three. If you get Nola, you have Wheeler, 
Gray maybe is your three. That would be a dream. I don't think Sonny Gray is good enough to be a two. He's also 34 years old. The last time he was in a big market was New York. He did not really take well to it. Didn't pitch well. Um, he's he's given 153 innings on average over the last four years. With an ERA better than Snell's, it's 3-1-8. He's been a really good pitcher. I don't want to take that away from him. And I'm not against the Phillies bringing him in. But Sonny Gray is not the Aaron Nola replacement. If you think Aaron Nola isn't reliable because he's getting up there in age, Sonny Gray is 34. And again, has not shown an ability in big markets to succeed. So there's a lot of volatility there. Sonny Gray's given you Cy Young seasons. He's given you terrible seasons. So, um, I, I mean, you might bank on something in the middle, but I, again, I like him as a, as a pitcher, maybe as a three, but not as a two. So, I, I mean, this is like, it really comes down to the fact of, do you want this team to come out in May and June and have guys that can mow down lineups, but then you get to August and September, your bullpen's more taxed. And I mean, even in playoff games, yeah, pitchers don't go as deep as they normally do. So Snell would fit that mold well, but how is the bullpen situated when you get there? That's a really big piece of this. And are we going to watch from afar as Aaron Nola goes back to a, a Cy Young pitcher? Um, so there's the pitching side. And I am frightened that the Phillies view Snell as their answer, as the guy that can, as the true number two that can come and mow down a lineup. He's a lefty, so it gives another look. Um, I, I mean, the Phillies are going to sign a pitcher. I hope it's Nola. They might sign two. I'm frightened that it's Snell, but everybody is connecting the name Snell. Um, I've seen one thing connecting Gray, but the Phillies and Snell are a very, very popular, very popular pair out there. So that's something to monitor. My thoughts on the matter are very clear. And I'm scared. Like we we talk about a, a Castellanos trade, trying to upgrade, going after other big ticket guys. Do you trade for Corbin Burns? That's another piece of this. I would rather, uh, okay, you give me the option. Option A is sign Nola, and that's your rotation. I'm fine with that. I, I like that. I, I think that's a that could be a championship winning rotation. Option B is Snell. No way. Option C is, you know, Snell and Gray. Still no. I need it to be Nola two. Maybe give me Gray three. If option D is trading for Corbin Burns and from the Brewers, making him the number two, I'm fine with that because that's a true workhorse. That, that that's a guy that'll that's a Cy Young pitcher who is in his prime that'll give you innings. That I mean, he hasn't shown much of an ability in the playoffs because when the Brewers have gotten there, it's been a very short stay. But I would be fine with trading for Burns. It's just I I am categorically against the idea of Blake Snell being the answer. So there you go. I mean, that's that's kind of a primer. That's the news we're getting. That's where we're at. There's the offensive side of it with the Castellanos trade. I'm in for it. There's the pitching side of Nola looking maybe more and more unlikely and Snell being the answer, which I'm out on. I would take any other route than have Blake Snell be my number two. There you go. It's it's on the clock. I'm Ben Kenny. Um, I, a couple. I mean, overall, listen. I'm very sad to see Reese Hoskins go, and as I said, uh, if he does go, as I said, we'll probably do a podcast in the off season talking about his legacy, or I'll fit it in somewhere. Um, but that makes sense for the team. Um, and as I said, yes, trade Castellanos, 
Need Nola. Notice Snell. Okay with Sonny Gray as a three. That is very succinctly what I just spent 26 minutes talking about. So uh, let's do this. We'll step away. There is a big name that is from South Jersey that may or may not be an Eagles fan that everybody's talking about. I'll give you my take on whether the Phillies should trade for him, uh, whether that would make sense in terms of how you reconstruct this team, and uh, we'll move on. Some thoughts on Craig Council as well. It's on the clock. I'm Ben Kenny. All right, welcome back. On the clock, Ben Kenny with you. Um, I, I guess the, the intro to this segment, and I was going to lead with this before we just got inundated with news left and right over the last week. The, the general question is, what does this Phillies team need? What, in the offseason, what does it need to succeed? And that could mean a lot of things. The answer could be nothing. The answer could be a, a boost, a jolt to the fan base. Or the answer could lie somewhere separate from that. Um, it could be on the field. It could be off the field. What does this team need? Because I think we're in an interesting spot at the moment as a fan base where, yes, I will be all in on opening day. I think if you're listening to this, you likely will be as well. There are many out there that might struggle to get up for opening day if big things are not done, if there isn't a reason. There have been a lot of reasons over the last couple years. The World Series is an easy one, plus Trey Turner, right? Bryce Harper coming in. There have been a bunch of reasons to enter opening day with newfound excitement about what this new team can accomplish. It looks like they're going to lose guys. They are going to lose guys. The question is, does the team need that kind of jolt? That's been thrown around as the reason the Phillies should trade for Mike Trout, which I don't buy for a second. I mean, number one, would I trade for Mike Trout? No, absolutely not. And I don't need to enter a season with newfound excitement for a team. I, I don't care about what the box office looks like in April. I don't. I care about a team being best positioned to win when it gets into the playoffs, which I thought last year's team was, did not come to fruition. But we could, we could say, oh, yeah, this team needs juice. They need to get the fan base in when the season starts. You know what does that is winning or having a team that, that has the promise of winning, which they have which they have. And I know the playoffs happened, but I don't I don't really care about how excited everybody gets to start the year. If the team's good, people will show up, but also, as we've seen in the last 2 years, what they do in April and May doesn't necessarily mean everything for what's going to happen later in the year. Turnarounds can happen late in the season. It's also if you're building a team to win in the playoffs, who really cares as much about April? So that, to be clear, I'm not making a move for the sake of excitement. You know, ballpark, box office excitement, all that. Mike Trout. The reason I am not trading for Mike Trout, as um, as afternoon host John Mark said, out on Trout. He plays over his last four full seasons. And as you heard me with Snell and Nola, it's how I like to look at these players that are either entering the market or might be traded, an average of 92 games. I ask a very rhetorical question that I know is going to anger Tom Kelly, who's there's no way he's listening, but what's the best ability? What is the best ability for a player to bring to a team? Some would argue batting average or 
I don't know, strikeouts or wins or whatever. No, the best ability is availability. The best thing the Phillies could do with bringing in whoever are getting guys that are going to be out there every day or for pitchers every fifth day and guys that will be available again come playoff time. Mike Trout has been injured every season in the last like five or six years. I, I still think he's a really good player and him coming here. I cannot quantify what the, uh, what the excitement around the ballpark would be like. It would be awesome if they trade for him. I would get excited, right? Cause we're watching Mike Trout as a Philly. I'm, I'm not saying no because of him as a player or because of his fit with the team. What did the team lack in the postseason last year? Right-handed bats that hit. They lacked Reese Hoskins, as we clearly saw, because Castellanos and Turner disappeared, and Bohm was not very good. I mean, Mike Trout in the middle of the lineup, the Phillies win the World Series last year. A healthy Mike Trout, that is. Him as a player, I'm all in. And if they trade for him, if they trade Castellanos for him, and the money is even, like I'm, I'm all good with that. You give up a top prospect, but not the top. Yeah, it would be exciting. I would get excited about that. I would definitely talk myself into it being it working out well. And I would come on here and, and do the pod. I would look at the bright side of it 100% if they make that move. If they make the move also, that is the move of the offseason. They are making that move saying, this is our Trey Turner. This is our Bryce Harper. This is how we go and we win the World Series in addition to a second starter. It means there aren't going to be many others. So if it means, say, uh, I don't know, Sonny Gray and Mike Trout or whatever, Snell and Trout, okay, yeah, that could be a championship team. The problem is, as is the problem with Snell not pitching enough innings for my liking, Mike Trout is not available. I think trading for Mike Trout could be, could be the single thing that derails this era of Phillies baseball. It looks awesome on paper. We're all excited. We want to see him play and succeed as a Philly. And then June comes around and he goes down with whatever injury. Because again, he has been hurt every season. He plays 92 games a year. Now, 92 divided by 162. That is um, more than half. He plays more than half of games. Awesome. And you bring him in as a DH, like, well, you need Schwarber. You bring him in to play part-time left field. Yeah, you're, you're going to manage his workload. But still, that is not a guy that's going to be out there every day. He is also a guy that has a massive risk that could be out come playoff time. So I think, I think it could be the thing that derails this era of Phillies baseball because when they get to the playoffs, you pray he's healthy. If he's not, then what are we doing here? You're entering the playoffs without your big ticket offseason pickup that was supposed to be the thing that pushes you over the top. You're trading top prospects for him. You're getting Castellanos out of here. It's like there are a lot of things that are being sacrificed for Mike Trout, who has seven years left, $35.45 million a year. Now, do the Angels pay part of that? I have no idea. But it is a massive, massive risk. This is not Mike Trout of four years ago where you knew he'd come in, bang, MVP, right off the bat. It's like, yeah, he could play well if he is out there. That's what everybody is saying. So I'm petrified of it. I, I'm totally scared that they're going to do the deal. Something's going to happen. Then they're stuck 
with seven years of freaking Mike Trout who can't see the field as the rest of the team gets old and deteriorates. That they actually miss their window instead of capitalizing on it. So no, I am out on Trout. Listen, if they were to trade Castellanos, it's with the purpose of getting another righty bat in the lineup. I don't know exactly who that would be. So I'm not going to come with 10 to 15 names that could be better options than Trout. But I just know with Trout himself, the durability is a big, big concern. Like if if you told me in a vacuum, if if Mike Trout was a free agent right now, and he and he could sign a five hundred dollar contract with the Phillies, of course I would do that because you're not risking that much to bring him in in that way. There isn't much risk involved at all by just hiring like when you hire uh, or sign a, a vet minimum guy in the NBA. No, you're hoping that he can contribute. And if he doesn't, no liability. The Philadelphia Eagles sign a running back, Rashad Penny. He doesn't play. Well, they don't pay him anything, so it's okay. You don't have your cap space all wrapped up in him. This is like if the Eagles traded a second-round pick or a first-round pick for an aging player that has a terrible injury history. And if he's healthy, then yeah, he could help you win a Super Bowl. But there is also an overwhelming chance that he is not indeed healthy and that that actually comes back to bite him and to bite your team. So I am, that, that's where I am. I, I'm not trading top prospects for a guy that I, I have no guarantee is going to be healthy. It petrifies me. Too much risk involved. There's going to have to be an influx of youth on this team eventually because in a couple years, Schwarber's gone, JT's gone. I mean, Wheeler's getting older. Hopefully they bring Nola back. I I mean, Nola's getting older. You're going to need an influx of youth in order to avoid having to tear things down and just, you know, buy the next free agent. Then you become the Yankees. And the Yankees have been trying to piece it together for years, and they're in a terrible spot. You're going to need youth. So just throwing away all that youth at a guy that you don't know if he's going to play, I'm not in for that. And Dabrowski, I mean, admittedly, did not do that at the deadline. Maybe he should have for a, I mean, for a reliever and for a bat off the bench. But we're also not talking about top prospects. We're just talking about like a a Marsh-type deal at the deadline. So no, um, no Mike Trout. It's a big trade. It's huge money for a guy who does not play nearly enough for me. So there you go. Uh, And then the other trade candidate, as I mentioned, is Burns. I would feel much better about that. I mean, that gives you the best rotation in baseball. And that's, I, I think a Corbin Burns move has a, has a better impact on the team, like more positive impact on the team than a Trout move would. I, I, I really feel that. I think it's the value of pitching. And I think there are guys that you could find that could do the job you're going to want Trout to do. Do it, I mean, for a discount. It's really just the name it's the name value and it's the ceiling. But I have like I I'm not interested in name value. I don't care about the box office to start the year and the injury risk greatly outweighs the possible benefit of a healthy Trout being in the lineup. So here you go. Um I I really just think this team needs its healthy star core back meaning Harper, Wheeler, Turner, JT, Schwarber, all them. Uh, and Nola. I think they need a few better ancillary pieces. 
meaning a couple bench bats and an upgrade. Trade Castellanos, find me a more reliable bat in right field. And I mean, back end bullpen. And then good messaging. Like if if Dombrowski makes four to five really intelligent moves this offseason, no one's going to care if it's a big name or not. If the moves, once they start playing, show to be really smart, people are going to be in. So the messaging comes with that as well. All right. uh, It's on the clock. There you go. Um, MLB awards are coming out. I I was going to ask if we care about them. I assume the answer is no. So we're going to skip over that. Let's do this. We will step away. When we come back, I have to talk about this Craig Council situation. It's good news for the Phillies, but I have to talk about the Council situation. We'll touch on that. Coming up next, it's on the clock. All right, we are back. Ben Kenny on the clock, closing it out here, or coming close to closing it out. I guess I'll touch on what to watch at the end. I mean, there are no games, obviously. I, I enjoy the hot stove MLB network stuff going on. I turn that on, but more so sport-wide, what to watch. We'll get to that a bit later. Um, As I talked about last show, something that needed to happen for the Phillies was Craig Council not becoming a New York Met. And that did not happen. Now, it did not happen in unbelievable fashion. I used to work out in Wisconsin. I am very close with Many great Brewers fans. And this is not a a Brewer fan rant by any means. But Craig Council is the chosen son of the Milwaukee Brewers. Serious. Like, he is, he's from there. Many have joked that he is a direct descendant of Bernie Brewer. The way I would equate it would be if, I mean, Mike Trout, or if Mike Trout was born in Philadelphia, became like a, a Philly, and then also became the best Phillies manager in their history. And after a certain amount of time, there's been some unrest with the front office and him. And what Council did, and equate this, it's like Trout going to the Mets or a longtime Boston guy going to the Yankees. Craig Council went through this entire season acting like he was going to retire. Which, like, okay, fine. You want to retire? You want to hang out with your kids? Cool. You don't love the stress of managing. And then, at the end of the year, said to the Brewers, no, you know, I want to reset the manager market. I want to make more money than any manager and set what the market's going to be moving forward. Uh, So the Brewers came back and said, okay, here is a $5.5 million offer, which would be the highest paid manager ever. I believe at the same time, the Mets... Had given him a $6 million offer. Like there was a little bidding war going on. And meanwhile, Council is going through all of this, leaking stuff, or it seemed as though his camp is leaking stuff to the media about how much he, he wants to make the money and, oh, there's a mystery team trying to drive the price up. When at the end of the day, it was about one thing. Because came knocking on his door were the Chicago Cubs, who gave him $8 million a year, and then bang, No chance for the Brewers to match. Council's off uh, to the Cubs. As a guy who spoke, I mean, so much about how much he liked the fans in Milwaukee and cared about the city and blah, blah, blah. Like, it's one of the worst backstabbing moves I've ever seen in professional sports. And I, I hate, I hate 
when a lot of national media and people are like, oh, it's a business. He wanted more money. He got more money. It's like sometimes it's more. It's more than a business. And if you were a fan of that team where your longtime best manager in, in franchise history who spoke all the time about how much he cared about you and about the city, for him to go to the rival for a million more dollars a year is pathetic. It's a joke. It's a complete joke. And it makes it look like he wanted to be the Cubs manager the entire time. That was his dream job. Which, again, if you're going to go about it that way, then, then don't, don't be a complete fraud to the fan base that you're working for originally. And not to mention he pushed David Ross out. That part I don't really care about. I mean, it was a, it was an all-time backstabbing move. And it's good news for the Phillies because he is not the Mets manager. And I think he is an amazing manager. I think he might be the guy that if you put him in New York actually makes all of this dysfunction and terrible baseball go away. So it's awesome for the Phillies that they are not going to have to face Craig Council. The Mets hired uh, Mendoza, a bench coach for the Yankees, who could be good. We'll see. Um, I, I just like the Brewers writers were leaking what the Brewers were trying to push out there, that they gave him the offer and they're trying. And then Council just turns around and goes to the Cubs, which, I mean, I used to love the guy as a, as a manager and admire the way he went about everything. I think he's a total fraud. I think he's a complete fraud now. And I hope he fails with the Cubs. I Because Cubs fans, here's the thing. Cubs fans also view themselves as all high and mighty. Like we're this great winning organization with a ballpark that everyone just goes there to drink beer on Saturday. And, oh, we have all this money. He could spend all this money. It's like, yeah, the Cubs are a, are a longtime franchise in a in a great sports city in Chicago. But let's not act like they are the, they are the, the cream of the crop of winning. They won one World Series. They had one core that really worked. But compare like compare the Cubs to the Phillies right now. And it's it's night and day. The more successful organization and I think where somebody would want to manage. So I don't I don't like how Cubs fans put themselves in the class of, you know, the Red Sox and everything. Just because you were around to lose in the nineteen hundreds, the Phillies were too, but they were pathetic back then. Just because you were around all that time doesn't mean you are one of those one of those franchises. But there you go. Um, I think Craig Council is a complete fraud. So uh, I'm happy because not managing against the Phillies. I think uh, Brewers fans have right to be upset. And if you're just, just, you don't always have to say it's a business. There are some things that transcend, oh, it's a business. You know? And, and equating sports to business like saying, oh, you wouldn't have taken this job for this much money in this place. Sports are not like normal work. They are different than a normal sales job or a normal industry. So I don't like that as well. So there you go. Um, it, it, it's on the clock. I will, uh, coming up next week, I, I mean, there's top 50 free agents with predictions. We'll run through that. Some weird connections to the Phillies. A couple guys that don't make any sense. That's next, That's going to be the show next week. I don't think we're getting big signings before then. Um, but we'll step away. We'll close it out. We'll talk about what to watch. Some players to watch. Some news to watch. We'll hit that next. All right, we're back on the clock. A, a summation, if things were not clear enough. What to watch is, I mean, the Phillies moving forward. Check the, the rumor mill and wonder why things are out. 
is it a player trying to drive his price up or is it actually the Phillies getting involved? Um, I hope the Phillies are not involved on Mike Trout. I hope they trade Castellanos. My dream is somehow to move Reese Hoskins back to first and then he somehow becomes a good first baseman. It's a dream. It's a dream. But that would be ideal. Or we, you know what would be more exhilarating than anything else? Put Reese Hoskins in left field for a season and just see what happens. See how we react. I think that would be electric in probably terrible ways. Um, but yeah, it, it's a really interesting offseason. It's a crossroads because guys are getting old and the window is not going to be open forever. So how does Dombrowski maximize it? That's the biggest question. Is it Mike Trout? We'll see. Um, it better be with Aaron Nola as part of those plans. And I will, I'll leave you on that note. We'll reconvene next week. A lot more free agency talk. Some players I don't like that are being connected to the Phillies. And we'll update on all the latest rumors. That's next week. For now, thanks for hanging out. See ya. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hey everyone, Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app.